Welcome, everyone. Good morning. It's June 19th. The world is on fire. <sighs> This is being an artist is fucking killing me. <laughs> <laughs> And we are here with Will Hamilton. Yeah. We're so excited to talk to him today um, and about his fringe piece and about his new company. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a lot to do with what's going on in today's world. Totally. Yeah. Um, I think these are really interesting and important topics to talk about, even though they're difficult to talk about. Yes. So we would love to hear opinions, galpalprods at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you have to say about them if you want to come on to the podcast or you just want to give us notes. Right. I also want to thank Will because... Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, me and Corinne had some issues this week. We had some issues getting someone in to record. Right. Yeah, because we, yeah, we're silly, and we were starting to freak out, yep. <laughs> and I asked Will if he could do it, and he very generously told me he could. Yeah. Yeah. So first, let's get started. Let's get going. Cool. So you went to an arts high school in Sudbury, Will? Yes, I did. Um, is that where you started dancing? Uh, I took some classes there. I didn't stay there, though. I was not, uh, it wasn't really a good place for beginners to learn, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to put it lightly. Um, but you started as an actor, you were saying. Yeah, I was. Uh, I had been acting in like uh, kind of like small time productions, uh, you know, community theater shows, and occasionally like a background uh, actor in a, in um, uh, in the actual theater company uh, that Sudbury has. Uh, I started that when I was about 11, and then when I was about uh, 18, I took some dance classes and realized that I wanted to continue on with that. Mm. What what was like the initial like this is for me, not acting. Um, Well, actually, I still think that uh, I still very much love acting, and I would very much like to get back into it. I think what I think the reason that dancing really sort of resonated with me is that I was just kind of like an extremely physically awkward sort of kid, and I was also extremely ADD. Mm-hmm. And uh, dancing was something that really helped me mitigate both of those things. Cool. Um, so that's one of the reasons I stuck with it. Nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Will, you're part of a company. Now I'm here in Toronto. You have a company. Or you have a company, sorry. Yeah. It is your company. Yeah. How old any, is it? Uh, it's, uh, uh, we applied for the Fringe back in October, and that's when we decided that, <laughs> that's when we decided that we were going to uh, be a company too, so it's exactly math old. Um, yeah. A few months, eight months. Eight months, months. something like that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But when did you and Robin first meet? Uh, Robin and I first met about three years ago. It was the year that uh, I had graduated from STDT, and I was looking for some work, so I started doing uh, just some like uh, company B work for Malgort Sata Noaka. Sorry, School of Toronto Dance Theater? Yeah, cool. is where I graduated yeah. from. Yeah. Uh, so Malgort Sata Noaka, the artistic director of uh, the Chimera Project, had a B company, and that's where Robin and I met. Cool. Mm-hmm. So when, what was it that you decided to like work together? Was it that you both have very similar similar? Sorry, you guys both had similarities, or your movement was similar, or? Um, I think it really what it was was that we were both in just like a bit of a lull in terms of uh, having any projects to do. Yeah. Uh, so we were just kind of like, oh, you're not doing anything. I'm not doing anything. Let's make something together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's kind of where it started. And what's the company called? It's called Rebel Yell. Cool. Yeah. I love that name. So your debut is going to be at Fringe, right? Yes. yes. Fringe 2018 from July 4th to July 14th. Tickets on sale now at FringeToronto.com. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love a good early plug. Yeah, totally. I'm getting better at the self-promotion thing. Um, It's hard. Yeah. The show is called Nullius in Verba, by the way. What does that mean? Uh, it means on no one's word. It means don't take, any, uh, don't take anybody's word for it. You know, figure it out yourself. At the time, I thought that was a really good title, but now that it's gone on a little bit, I'm like, it's just not catchy enough. So, <laughs> really, you don't think it's catchy? Do you? <laughs> I don't. I like it. Cool. I think. Uh, why don't you think it's catchy? Yeah. Because like, it's in Latin. <laughs> sure. And it, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think that's just like part of when you create something, though, because I feel that about lot like our films sometimes. Like when I watch it, I'm like, oh, I've seen it so many times. Mm-hmm. I've listened to the soundtrack so many times. You're like anticipating things right. about it, and you're just like, you just get over things, right? Yeah. You get over them when you've seen them or heard them so many times. Yeah. And it can still be great, but for you, you're like kind of already past it, maybe. 
Totally. It's like you, by the time, I think like by the time you're done any project, you're, you're already kind of sick of it and you're ready yes. to leave it behind. Totally. Meanwhile, everyone's like celebrating going, that was so amazing. And you're already over it. Like, yeah. You're already <laughs> on to the next yeah. thing. Totally. I mean, um, if they're saying that's amazing, I mean, I'd be, I'd be really lucky if they were and I'd be very happy if they were. But. <laughs> right. Um, I was once told, I forgot who, forget who told me this, but they're like, if you don't like look at your, your work after you're done with it and cringe, yeah, you're not. I don't know how they put it, but like, you're not like ready to move on or you're not like, Mm -hmm. you're not, you didn't do a good job or something like that because it was like, you should always be like critical of your old work and you should like be moving past it. Right. Well, there, uh, uh, Martin Scorsese he said something to the effect of like, if the uh, if your rough draft or your first draft doesn't make you sick, like physically mm. ill, then you know you're not doing something. There's something you're not doing right, or you're just not invested enough. Right. In yes. That, so. You're not questioning your decisions. Yeah. And Which like, is weird because sorry to interrupt. On the other side of it, I've also heard that like projects are never complete. They're never mm-hmm. perfect. They're never going to be done. Right. Yeah. And artists will like pick and pick and pick and pick and pick and pick. Mm-hmm. You have to decide when it's done. Right. Yeah. Which but, is. You also have to refrain from endlessly picking at it because you'll actually go insane. Just like, oh, like yeah. just keep on fixing something. Thank you until nothing's right. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. totally. That's the thing too. You have to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you have to reconcile that decision in your brain and be like, "This mm-hmm. is it. <laughs> this is Pretty it. Much. For better or worse, this is where we're stopping." <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, are there certain qualities about Rebel Yell that you'd like to be more predominant in the company? Like in terms of like, I mean, from experience. <laughs> well, um, this is our inaugural project. Uh, and I think that really we're still kind of finding ourselves. Uh, we know what our personal values are. Like, for example, um, uh, you know, with this company, it's like we want to, we wanted to create like a creative space where... Um, where not only are uh, not only are you free to express your ideas, but also everybody's also free to challenge those ideas, mm-hmm. um, because we really feel like the only way that we can get better is if we're constantly, uh, is if we're. It's hard to phrase this in a way that doesn't seem like incredibly, uh, that doesn't seem like incredibly judgmental or harsh. But it is a very it is a very uh, unjudgmental place to be in. Um, we feel like we can only get better if we are constantly questioning ourselves. So like that's a value that's very much intact right now. Mm-hmm. But I think in terms of uh, what we're creating and what we, how we want to continue on, it is through this project and through working with the mentors and dancers that we have that we're really kind of finding ourselves. So yeah, this is very a very kind of like um, this project is a very is very much a, an, an exploration of self sort of mm-hmm. right. Where did this idea of like always questioning yourself come from? Um, uh, so speaking for myself, I really feel like um, no matter where you fall on any end of the spectrum of any argument, there is this issue happening now. And like uh, this isn't news to anybody, but there's a lot of division now. There's like there's very little communication of ideas. Um, and. I just really feel like if you're not ready to question your, if you're not willing to question yourself, then how can you expect somebody that you're not on the same page with to question themselves, right? Like it's a matter of leading by example and actually saying like I want you, I want to bring this world to a place where we can start, uh, uh, where we can start like seeing each other and uh, and um, and not dehumanizing each other by just acting like whatever position you're in is just self-evident and that everyone should get on your page. You know what I mean? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that something you've always had or? No, I, I've, you know, changed a billion times in my life. And I think there were times where I was uh, so arrogant. I thought that everybody sh- else should be on my page. And there were times where <laughs> times where I thought so little of myself that uh, I could only make decisions based on other people's uh, other people's uh, um, validation of those decisions. So, mm. yeah, that's real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Can you just, what's Rob, who's your partner again? Robin Noftal. Robin Noftal. Yes. Tell us a little bit about Robin. Yeah. Which we'll probably have her on too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Robin is fantastic. Um, so she graduated, she's originally from uh, St. John's, Newfoundland. She graduated from Randolph Academy, um, actually is an actor, not a dancer. She's a, and Randolph is a triple threat school. Mm-hmm. So she obviously is quite the dancer as well. Yeah. Um, 
And I think that that's where a lot of our creative collaboration, um, uh, sorry, a lot of the success in our creative co collaboration comes from. Like I'm somebody who uh, works from purely a physical slash aesthetic sort of point of view. Mm -hmm. And she's someone who, because of her acting training, uh, approaches everything from a very kind of experiential uh, sort of, uh, sort of um, perspective. So when those two things meet, they sometimes clash, but I find that they usually create a very, very interesting product. Yeah. Which can also sometimes take a lot of time and be sort of frustrating, as <laughs> yeah. Rainy can probably attest to. No, sorry. <laughs> I'm just laughing because you talking about Robin. Robin does this very lovely thing where, you know, everything needs to have this meaning and mm -hmm. she needs to have motivation for why things are happening at all times. Even if it's like one small little movement, she needs to have a little, like something in her brain that's telling her why she's doing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's in rehearsal, we'll be like, you know that time? And be like, or she always has like a, a made up story about why everything in the piece is happening or like why you're doing this. And it's just, I really like making fun of her for it. Because, <laughs> because the, she says things sometimes mean well, be like, okay, Rob. <laughs> or sometimes it'll be like, okay, so we're going to do this thing. And I'll just be like, um, I'm not seeing it. She's just like, okay, but just go with it. I'm like, yeah. all right. <laughs> uh, and you know, to, to her credit, it, it usually works out pretty yeah. well and when it doesn't she knows what she's, she wants yeah. yeah and you know the times that it doesn't work out she's usually just like okay that didn't work let's move on right you know and it's like oh great so yeah. right do you, can you speak to one of those times where it clashed a little bit or a lot mm, you'll have to give me a second uh, I mean they definitely happen just uh, fi finding a good example is uh... is there like a funny story about a time that you guys clashed oh okay well I mean at the very beginning of the process um I was essentially like, uh, okay, so uh, we should hire like four dancers. And she was essentially like, uh, wait, but you said you wanted four people in peace. And I was like, yeah. She was like, so we should hire two dancers because we should be in it. I was like, wait, why should we be in it? Like, we should be on the outside choreographing this thing. And she's like, because you want to be a dancer, don't you, Will? And I was like, yes. Anyway, there's just like this big back and forth about like whether or not we we're going to be in it. And we we're like, okay, fine. You know what? We don't have the money anyway. Let's be in it. And now at the very end of the piece, we're just like, yeah, one of us should probably step out. <laughs> so just like there are like the constant like back and forth and like uh, and like there have been times where like I've taken the helm and being like we're definitely going this way and then I've had to come back and be like okay I needed to go with that idea for a little while it didn't work let's go back to your way and like so like there's this constant back and forth where one of us will just kind of like let the other one play with something even if we like don't don't see it working out too well and then. But we just have to like let each other make that mistake, and we also have to be very understanding when the other one comes back and being like, "Yo, my bad." <laughs> right, right. You yeah. can't hold it over their head and be like, yeah. "Remember that time you fucked up?" No, <laughs> <laughs> of course not. Because no. the thing is, like, if you're afraid of making mistakes, then you're never going to explore in a way that's gonna uh, that's going to, you know, yield some great reward, right? Partnerships survive. Somebody just told me this uh, a few weeks ago. It's like partnerships survive based on how you react after problems occur. Mm -hmm. So, like, oh yeah. Whether Agreed. you like didn't disagree on something or like something happened in the partnership, how you react and how you guys maintain the same energy and like problem solve, problem solve yeah. and relationship after those big problems happen, it like mm -hmm. helps move on. And that's how like the strongest survive, I think. Mm -hmm. Totally. In terms of, yeah, you know, two people, three people, whatever. Mm -hmm. Totally. And I think a strength, uh, just kind of on that note, I think, I think the way that she and I both react to problems is uh, more kind of like recognizing our own responsibility right. in the situation rather than trying to uh, rather than trying to figure out where someone else went wrong. We both kind of like walk away from a situation. We go, okay, like I definitely made some choices there that didn't work. And then we come back and like, we're right. both, we're both more very much about our own conduct rather than each other's. And I think that really helps the process along. Totally. Mm -hmm. uh, rather than placing blame. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about where you're from, Will, and how that kind of influences your work? Yeah, I'm from Sudbury, Ontario. I uh, grew up there um, and came to Toronto when I was 19 to go to the School of Toronto Dance Theatre. Um, what else about Sudbury? Uh, so it's, it's in, uh, a really uh, interesting place because um, it's not an incredibly big city, but because we are a city that is situated on top of, uh, a, of, on top of massive ore reserves for uh, you know, nickel, copper, things like that. Uh, there are a lot of mining companies that work there, and uh, because they are, they bring in revenue, and they have like, all sorts of sponsorships. So we actually do have a surprisingly thriving arts community in Sudbury, which is really great because uh, a lot of small towns, especially in northern Ontario, don't have that. 
Um, is that like a newly thriving art community or it's always been that way? Um, it's definitely on the up and up um, oh. due to uh, the efforts of uh, some people, one, uh, one of whom being Michaela Demers, a very good friend of mine, who uh, she, is, um, uh, she has an intensive going on in Sudbury this summer, which if there's still time left, you should definitely sign up for, um, called the Branch Intensive. Uh, she's just constantly trying to, uh, uh, trying to uh, consolidate artists in Sudbury who are from the north and like, try to, uh, nice. uh, and try to like, jumpstart initiatives in the community. So. Um, it's getting bigger and bigger now, but the, uh, you know, we've had a, uh, we've had a very successful theater company since the 1980s. There are multiple community theater companies. Um, uh, and, um, uh, there've also just been like many people throughout the community who have like decided that, oh, I want to like, you know, jumpstart this sort of thing, uh, whether it be, uh, whether it be a music community or, you know, what have you. And, um, uh, it's usually been very successful. So, yeah. Is Michaela living in Sudbury still? Is she here? Nope, Michaela lives in Toronto. Um, still works in Toronto as well mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the arts community, but she's back and forth a lot. Right. She works in Manitoulin too. That's where she's actually from. She didn't, she didn't grow up in Sudbury. Mm, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Um, well, you said, you, we were talking about this before, you said you went to an elementary school that was Pentecostal. Pentecostal. There you go. I, I was going to say, like, yeah. Pedestrian. Presbyterian. Presbyterian, yes. Yeah. So explain to us what that is. Uh, well, I mean, it was just a, you know, your standard religious elementary school, um, which, you know, is very interesting growing up in that. Uh, some very, very good people in that community, but also uh, some... <sighs> some values that, like, I'm just kind of like, wait, what? Um, it, it was kind of tough for me. Uh, I was a kid who always had a, uh, uh, who was always predisposed to, some, uh, to, like, very technical things like science and engineering and stuff like that. But because of the, you know, kind of, like, more uh, fundamentalist religious uh, views of that place, that school was actually extremely antithetical to any sort of science. And I think that's one of the reasons why I veered far more into arts is because the thing is, like, there was a lot of uh, singing, a lot of acting going on in that school. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing I had a, uh, I had a inc um, an inkling towards was sciences, and that was just not encouraged at all there. So I guess that's part of the reason why I went more into the arts. Wow. that's, that's where the encouragement was. Crazy. Mm -hmm. How would you describe that religion that you grew, that you grew up in? Not fundamental. No, I wouldn't call it fundamental. I would call it traditional. Um, you know, very, very based on like these old kind of like stark ways of doing things. Um, uh, and you know, we're not wanting to offend people who I, although I don't agree with, I don't think are bad people in any way. And some of them are very good people. There is not, uh, there was not a whole lot of, uh, I think it's more accurate to say that questioning was discouraged. Mm. Huh. Which is pro which now that now that we're having this discussion, I probably realize has a lot to do with the fact that I brought up the title for our show to be the Latin for on no one's word. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow, that that was very Freudian. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. That's kind of uh, <laughs> I guess that um, that kind of translates. <laughs> that trips me out every time that happens. I'm like, what? What's going on in my Whoa, life? There's a connection there. Did you just yeah. you, did you just make that connection talking to us right now? About yep. That? <laughs> yeah, that's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> um, you were saying that your parents don't practice that religion, though. No, not at all. I mean, like that school. Uh, um, my parents are uh, Christians, but uh, that school, uh, for example, um, you know, held the belief that the Earth actually was created in seven days. You know, uh, as per how the Bible teaches it. But my father is a geologist. Like right. by definition, he can't believe that, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, otherwise none of his profession would make any sense. So, you know, it's like, there were, there, uh, and like, I think that this contradiction, uh, was probably something that was very present growing up. Um, you know, like as a kid, I was being told by my teachers all the time, one thing. And then like, I would be just asking my dad run of the mill kind of science questions and he'll be like, uh, Oh, well, you know, like uh, 400,000 years ago. And I'm just like, was but... there a 400,000 years ago? Like, yeah. You know. Right. Um, has that influenced your work at all? Do you feel? <sighs> now that you mention it, um, <laughs> uh, now that you mention it, uh, so Mateo Torres, who, uh, 
who is um, our guest choreographer and also uh, our mentor, who we are, we are very, very thankful for. For those of you who don't know him, he's done multiple works uh, all throughout the city. He's gone back to Colombia to perform some of his works. He's gone to Germany for it. Um, uh, uh, I could try to I could try to like rattle off some of his achievements, but I would probably butcher them with uh, but, uh, butcher them with. Um, inaccurate information, so I won't. Um, I will say uh, Danny Grossman's creating a solo on him. Yes. For... Um, this coming Wednesday. Yes. Yes. What's at the, the Citadel. Yes, at the Citadel. Yeah. Um, also, Nicole Rosebond, who we already had on, she was talking yeah. about this. This is the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to see some awesome dancers, Mateo is, you know, yes. wonderful. Mm-hmm. He's a gift. Yeah. Um, and also, it's and wonderful that Danny Grossman is making new work, so right. I think everybody should go and support One last that, too. Listeners, if you don't know who he is, you need to Google. Yeah, yeah he's, <laughs> he is absolutely a legend. Yeah. And, uh, it, like, um, have we mentioned what this piece is about yet? No. No, we haven't yet. Oh, we haven't okay. got well, we haven't got um, there yet. Uh, I, fir- I saw a, a recording of Danny Grossman's Endangered Species when I was a teenager, and I hadn't experienced anything about dance uh, before then, and it uh, it really blew me away how powerful that was. So also Danny Grossman has been like an incredible uh, inspiration for me, so I would really appreciate it if everybody went and saw that show. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry, you were talking about Matteo being rehearsal director? Yes, rehearsal director. Oh, right. Um, anyway, he's uh, just an incredible creative spirit. Uh, he's a very good friend, and he um, is extremely intelligent. Um, and... Through our process, uh, one thing we got talking about was the concept of truth. And uh, um, It's a hot topic these days. It is a hot topic these days. And while I don't want to incite any... Hmm? While I don't want to incite... Uh, I don't want to put myself in opposition to anybody's beliefs on this. Uh, we kind of had a, uh, <laughs> <laughs> We kind of had a discussion about uh, whether or not truth exists. Um, me coming down on the side of truth does exist. It's just extremely difficult to find and in some cases impossible to find. Uh, and Matteo uh, coming down on the side of there is no such thing as extreme, of like complete truth. Um, and I think that uh, because you brought up this whole thing about my, uh, the school I went to um, uh, and the fact that uh, my home life constantly contradicted the life I, let, I had at that school, it's possible that it was those experiences that... Um, uh, that led me to this, the, like how incredibly concerned I am about finding truth and about what finding what the right answer is, mm-hmm. because you know I was just a very confused little boy until <laughs> you know uh, up until my adulthood about what the truth was. So <laughs> I think that's probably why it matters to me to find it. Um, what is this piece about that you cr- are creating for the friend? Cool. Yeah. Get ready. Um, <laughs> so this piece has had many, many different versions through uh, since. Uh, when, since Robin and I started talking about it in October. Uh, and what we finally centered on is that uh, both pieces in the show are on the subject of power and abuse and about asking the question, can power exist without abuse? Yeah. Do you have a response, Corinne? So it's a big subject. Uh, <laughs> I've been talking about it for a few months now. So. Uh, that is no. super interesting. Um, I want to know why those topics before I ask any more questions. Why those topics? Yeah. Um, well, the why and the how are two different questions. Uh, I could tell you how we got to that topic yeah. like in terms of Robin and I going back and forth on it. Um, so originally, uh, it actually wasn't about that. It was actually about um, the idea of privacy and like uh, just like regarding things like data collection or, um, or uh, you know, like... Um, or, you know, like the very special form of uh, mind control that like a lot of the big data companies like Google and Apple and all that sort of things exert over us, Um, which just as a side note, that was big news back in like uh, February because, you know, like uh, everyone realized that, you know, Facebook influenced the Trump election. Everyone was like, oh, social media is essentially mind control. And I was just like, this isn't news. Like we've known this pretty much since like its inception. We've known this since, you know, the the iPhone came out and no one could tear their eyes away from their phones. Like... I just find it funny how, like, we needed to have this, like, cataclysmic event for everybody to start paying attention to something that was excruciatingly obvious, but that's well, kind of a side point. That um, was based off the book 19, 1984, right? That's the direction I was going with it, yes. Um, so Robin was just, like, extremely concerned about, like, this whole idea of, like, data collection and things like that, and uh, 
when we when she brought that up, um, I of course jumped on this subject yes. because 1984 is essentially my favorite book ever. And if anyone ha- out there hasn't read it, you very much should. I mean, I couldn't really finish it, so <sighs> you didn't have to read it in school. No. How weird. No, no, I didn't. I read it in school, but English was one of the best subjects. So. Um, <laughs> Maybe I'll pick it up again. Yeah. Um, I'm just on a different kick with books right now. Yeah. So um, essentially what we were going for at first was uh, this kind of like very kind of like this very kind of like paranoid and like tense sort of uh, work. Um, that's what, the, uh, what we were trying to uh, capture initially. But after some just preliminary creative sessions, we realized that um, it wasn't really hitting. Uh, we weren't really creating anything that we felt uh, reflected that. Um, so we kind of had to go back to the drawing board, and we were like, we were like, okay, so like this question, uh, sorry, not this question, uh, this like subject of uh, privacy and freedom, for some reason, is not really hitting with us. Why is it important to us in the first place? Um, and we started talking about that, and I believe like I said something to the effect of. Um, Something to the effect of, uh, well, when you hear people, like when you hear companies or agencies uh, saying that they don't use this, that they don't use this uh, data for any nefarious means, my response is, it doesn't matter. You have the power. You can use it at any time. And like, that power is far too much for anybody to have. Mm. Right. Um, And then that essentially became the question, well, you know, it's like, power is an inevitable thing in human interaction. So is it possible for power to exist without abuse? And here we are. <laughs> I think, so can power exist without abuse? I think that depends who you ask because it depends if you're an optimist or not. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the more optimistic people, like the more like libertarian you are, they'd be like, yeah, people can just live their lives and not hurt other people and you can have being a power structure and it not like trickle down in a negative way. But if you're a pessimistic person and you don't believe any of that, then you would probably have a different opinion. Hmm. I think it's an incredible, um, <laughs> <laughs> so you'll, you'll note that, uh, uh, that, um, uh, that our, our message or theme, it's not actually an imperative. It's a question. Mm. Uh, it's can power exist without abuse. And essentially I think the reason for that is because of how complex this issue is. Right. Totally. <laughs> and like, I don't feel equipped to actually just like necessarily say that yes, it can or no, it can't. I mean, oh. I, I know what my opinion is, but right. like, mm. I don't think that's necessarily the right answer. Um, and you would want people to come to get their own conclusions when they watch mm-hmm. your work, right? You wouldn't want to spoon feed them Absolutely. an answer. Absolutely. Because I think the best thing that you can do for people is not to, to tell them how to think. I think that's one of the worst things you can do for people. Sorry. No, sorry. Um, not to tell them what to think. I think that telling someone what to think is like one of the worst things you can do for them. I think inspiring them to start thinking is the best thing that you can do for them, right? Especially through art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I agree. Interesting. And uh, if you were the most powerful person in the world, what would you do? We're what? asking this to everybody, by the way. You guys are... Oh, it's part yeah. of your process? Part of the process. If I was the most powerful person in the world, what does that mean, though? Do I have, like, all the money? Do you just I... have to go for it. You're the most powerful person. You're the most powerful person. Don't think person. too hard. <laughs> I don't know. My, like, first instinct was to, like, try to be a good person and to, like, spread the power. To not spread the power, but, like, maybe, like, take care of people. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's such a weird question. <laughs> don't look at me like that, you weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> I will share one of my... So we, one of the exercises we did was we wrote on the first day was wrote for five, 10 minutes, 10 minutes. I don't know. Anyway. Something like that. So we wrote for 10 minutes, you know, that exercise. Don't take your, don't stop moving. Don't stop yeah. moving. Don't take your hand off the pa- mm-hmm. pen off the paper. Just keep writing. Even if you're not saying things, you're saying blah, blah, blah. You're still writing and see what comes out. And for my, I don't know if it was asked, what would you look like? Or what, if you're the most powerful person in the world, I would say, I would be like Catherine Zeta-Jones in Entrapment, (laughs) 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 who's like one of my like childhood heroes from that movie, (laughs) who's a spy, but also is a good spy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Just funny, my response was essentially like, I'd be like Spider-Man. I'd try to, yeah. do, good. I'd try to do good with it, but there were, I would probably make a lot of mistakes along the way. Yeah. Because you're yeah. human. Yeah. What's been really interesting with this process is that it started before the movie Infinity War came out. <laughs> and we had, and there was like such... Yeah. I haven't seen like, it. What? <sighs> oh my okay. God. I am not a superhero fan. I am sick of this entire Marvel enterprise, but I was very impressed with the Avenger, the third Avengers movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, Sorry, you're saying. <laughs> no, we, were, we started this process. You know, I am lucky enough to be one of the dancers with Will and Robin. Um, and we started this process before that movie came out, and there was definitely like a like a superhero, superhuman aspect that we were working and playing mm-hmm. with. Um, and then the movie came out, and then I feel like, and now we're no longer really playing. Well, I think it's just evolved past mm-hmm. the superhero idea. But it's yeah. interesting how, like, the piece has gone with kind of, like, the amp-up of Infinity War to, like, interrupting. As soon as it came, be like, no more superheroes. No more. <laughs> like, superhero in the sense, like, you're super powerful or, like, that you're trying to always do good. Um, uh, we were actually working with the images of kind of like super, the, sorry, like, um, uh, the physicality of like superpowers, like just in the process for a while. Um, it sort of kept it in, there are elements left over from when we were playing with the idea of superheroes in the process, but they're no longer the focal point, the main focus of the piece. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, and I think those elements are, um, and I think those elements are that, um, I mean, it's really hard to explain because, you know, dance is such an incredibly abstract thing. So when I try to put it into words, it's like, what? But, That's uh, why grant writing is so hard. I know, right? <laughs> we're not going to talk about We're not having another grant discussion yet. <laughs> oh, okay. Every, yeah. single, every single episode, but we're not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I applied for three grants for this piece. Uh, let's not talk about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> that we fun. should start doing, like, every time people come on, we ask how many grants they've not gotten. <laughs> and every time... They haven't gotten one. We do a shot. That's <laughs> new rules. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much what Rob and I were doing when we were applying for the grants. would be like, uh, okay, well, this isn't going to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, God. This is just going to expose what a mega dork I am. But, like, so one thing that just, like, happens consistently with superhero stories is that there's some kind of MacGuffin. With Superman, it's Kryptonite. With the Infinity War, it's, like, the Infinity Gauntlet. Uh, with the first Avengers movie, it was that blue glowing cube, you know? Uh, there's some kind of MacGuffin. And uh, I think, and like we actually do have something, and I'm not going to spoil it, we do have something in the piece that is kind of like the abstract, um, sorry, no, I shouldn't say abstract, it is sort of like the physical representation of power. Okay. Um, So when the characters in the dance piece are interacting with that, it's them playing with power, like in a very physical kind of like literal sense. Um, And I think that that is what playing playing with the superhero ideas gave us, is that it gave us a it gave us the idea of having a tangible representation of power. Mm. Um, yeah, and I think that's what's left over from, uh, from us playing with the, uh, all the ideas of having superheroes and having a dance piece about superpowers, um, which is no longer the thing, by the way. Uh. Yeah. Um, so talk about your dancers that you have in the piece. Do you have yourself? Uh, so we have myself. Uh, we did have Robin, but uh, very recently in the piece, we decided that it was far too difficult to have both of the choreographers dancing in the piece as well. Um, so that's no longer a thing. We both had a discussion. We decided that Robin had to step away in order for us to be able to finish the piece. Um, so replacing her, we have the amazing Cheryl Chan, um, uh, who is just wonderful and we're glad to have her. And finally, we are just so privileged to be working with Rainy Kins. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Oh, um, shucks. So, yeah. In all seriousness, though, it is wonderful having you with us. <laughs> so there's two women mm-hmm. and you. Two women and me. Are you worried about the context of abuse and power playing into those like gender norms and gender stereotypes? Uh, that is something we very deliberately avoided, actually. Um, we set up the roles in such a way that it really does feel that, uh, feel as though, um, I mean, okay, so you have the, if you bring those ideas into the same space, 
Oof, okay. This is charged. I need to take a second. Um, <laughs> yes, do it. Yeah. Um, they're hard to talk about, right? They're because extremely hard to talk about. Everybody brings their own biases and mm-hmm. opinions. And As soon as you previous- walk in and you see a male and a female, you see a romantic. As soon as you walk in and see yeah. you know, a female and a female, you see a partnership. It's, mm-hmm. it's this weird... Aesthetic and, thing that people's yeah. brains are and associated. And that's because of this is I think because of what the society that we live in and all of our experiences and biases that we already have in our bodies that are coming into the theater with us. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to look. I think it's very hard to look at a moving body on stage, and especially a man and a woman, and not see some sort of like sexualization. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I think it's really hard to watch bodies move. And not inherently sexualize them. It's interesting that you say society, though, um, because, you know, I think that we... It's so hard to talk about this stuff without tripping over my own words. Um, um, I think dance is kind of a unique thing in that... uh, uh, In that... um, In that because of the... Because of, like, just the sheer amount that, uh, for whatever reason, dance... Well, I mean, you could probably figure out the reasons if you want to, that, like... Dance is an art form that very, very much appeals to, uh, you know, the LGBTQ community. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also one of those weird art forms where almost any pairing comes off in a romantic sense, in a way. I think it's just this idea of a pair, Mm -hmm. right? And touching. Yes. Bodies moving, bodies touching. Physicality is, like, inherently sexualized, which is sometimes weird mm-hmm. right and it's it's also the thing is like so we have this purely physical art form so you know if like just say there's a movement in the piece where rainy runs her hand across my face all of a sudden that is like an incredibly romantic thing even though we have to communicate through touch and dance so yes. there is no avoidance of uh, avoidance of the touching and yet every yet every single point of contact is like a romantic thing it's like how do you how do you get away from that i don't know <laughs> it's so hard to get away from that mm-hmm. and it's and I think that just is, it's a good thing that that's like something you're aware of. It's not something you have to, it is something you have to be aware of as a dancer and as a, a mover or as a creator, I should say. Um, but I don't think you can stop anybody from coming in with their own biases. And if mm-hmm. they want to see romance, they're going to see romance. Yeah. If they want to see like a, like intercouple abuse and violence, they're going to see that, mm-hmm. right? They're going to see these things and bring it with them anyways. Do you have any like strategies that you're going to deal with that as a choreographer? Or how are you? How you're trying to avoid those like situations popping up more than you want? Is um, there going to be like a description in like a program that like you suggest people read prior to seeing it? I would actually rather if people didn't read the program prior to watching it. I would I would, I would like them to read the to read it after because I want I really like it when people uh, view dance unmarred by the. Uh, unmarred by what the actual intent was and then read the intent and then like uh, make those connections after make the connections after but also so that when there's a discussion about the art they can kind of like they can express why something didn't land for them I think it helps us improve as artists totally if someone takes their uh, if someone takes their initial feelings over what the actual intent was right Mm -hmm. and they're not looking for something that they read in the program yes right Mm -hmm. um so how are you as like a choreographer avoiding it being what we just talked about? Um, <laughs> well, like I said, there's no way of 100% avoiding it. Totally. Uh, I feel like that's just mm-hmm. not, uh, not possible. And I think if you try too hard to resist it, then you're actually hurting yourself. Um, but that being said, uh, I think that we've done a very good job of um, expressing all of the kind of like, I'm going to say players in the piece as having good sides and having dark sides. Um, and I think that the good sides and the dark sides of every of, uh, of um, people of different genders in the piece come out in damaging ways for everybody in the piece. So, um, uh, so I think that does a little bit to like mitigate this idea of there being uh, of there being like uh, of, of the piece being simply about uh, abuse between genders. Um, but at the same time, at the same time, uh, oh. <laughs> uh, it is so hard to talk about. But you know what? I'm just going to say... Uh, uh, just say yeah. it. Yeah, no, I'm just going to... Um, so what I do want to say is that we have done 
a lot to try to avoid hitting on that subject specifically. The reason for this being that um, we are exploring power as a concept in, situa- in almost any situation in life, whether it be a political situation, a professional situation, a personal situation, or a romantic situation. Abuse and also um, positive behavior, uh, positive, uh, positive behavior and, wh- and whatnot, things like that can only exist with the presence of power. And that's why it was very important for us to keep it, uh, to keep the piece about power as an abstract concept. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, if we bring in the aspect of gender abuse, then it is simply about that. Oh, it's, yes. It's simply about that and yeah, nothing yeah, yeah, else. Yeah. And there's nothing you can glean from it politically or personally right. or whatnot if you don't subscribe, if, sorry, if that's not something that has impacted you. And if Whereas if we made it some, about something political, it would simply be about that and then you couldn't read under any of the gender, uh, um, uh, any of like the um, connotations associated with gender into it. Yeah. Um, whereas in any situation, power changes things. So that's why, we, uh, that's why we are working very hard to make power an abstract concept mm-hmm. because it's not about any particular type of abuse. It's about the fact that when a person is given power, it changes them, often not for the better. And it takes a very, very, very small percentage of person to actually use power wisely. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think that's what I want people to take away from it. So I, I still haven't answered the question about like, how, <laughs> how have we taken it away from yeah. that particular you kind subject. Of, you kind of have, yeah. you t- you've said you're keeping it <laughs> as this abstract idea, mm-hmm. which I think is really important because I think if you like walk too far into the like specific areas, then and if you're not specifically focused on that, you're not going to do it justice, mm-hmm. right? Of course, and it makes yeah. it less nuanced, you know. Totally, um, yes. And, you know, I think... Uh, the lack of nuances, you know, God. <laughs> why the world is on fire right now. But, you know. Guys, the world is on fire right now. <laughs> yeah. God. Uh, that's super cool. I'm like super excited about it. Yeah. Yes. Buy your tickets. Yes. <laughs> oh, buy I, tickets. I bought at... a French pass. You bought a that's French amazing. pass? I bought a pass. Yeah. Yay. It's come to so many things. But if you don't have a pass, you can buy the tickets at fringetoronto.com. Tickets available now. Show going from the 4th to the 14th of July. Yes. Unless we get the patron's pick, in which case uh, we'll be going on the 15th as well. Yes. By the way. <laughs> I kind of knew about that already. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, by, by the way. I think we have a show on the 15th still, though, too. Don't we? We don't. Oh, okay. No, last one's on the 14th, which is also my birthday, in case anyone was wondering. Um, Yay. <laughs> We're going to get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I will be drunk that whole week. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you have to lift me. You better not be too drunk. You have to lift on me. <laughs> <laughs> Shithead. <laughs> just at night. Just at night. <laughs> yeah. Um, our, what's been great about having this platform? Like, why is Fringe? It's oh, awesome yeah. that Fringe has given you this platform. So what's been great about that? Uh, I think because if you are going to be a professional artist, whether you're a creator, whether you are a performer, whatever, one thing you have to deal with a lot is rejection. And it's rejection based on merits, which is even more painful. So, for example, like, you know, you submit to all these sorts of festivals where you have to give proposals and uh, you have to... uh, uh, and like submit budget forms and you know and like give, give evidence yeah, yeah. give evidence and send in videos and they can they'll just be like sorry no that's really painful the great thing about fringe is that it's a lottery <laughs> <laughs> so i got in um, you know as he beams from ear to ear <laughs> yay by chance um i feel like this is not filling our audience with confidence in my abilities <laughs> but no but that's what's great about it is that it is a because um it is a lottery you are just kind of free to explore something that might get rejected mm-hmm. um you know and as much as uh as much as people should be selected based on their competence a lot of the times you know you can uh, put in a proposal and um it just won't be to somebody's preference even if it yeah. is a perfectly good proposal right so it was just kind of nice to for us to be able to write down, you know, whatever, and you know, it'd be like, yeah, sure, you got it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so it's it's just an extremely good platform for people to try things that might not otherwise get shown. Mm-hmm. 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 That's awesome. And yeah. Fringe is like going to be the place where people that 
might not go see dance, see dance, mm-hmm. right? That's and there's so much dance so and fringe. For. So much dance. There's so much dance and fringe this year. Yeah, I hope they come see ours. Um. <laughs> come see our show. Yeah. If you can only pick one, I shouldn't say that. Um. <laughs> you can't if you buy a fringe pass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You should buy a pass, by the way. Yeah. Um. They're the cheapest way to do it. Yeah. 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 Um, Will is being an artist killing you? Hmm? Is being an artist killing you? Um, it's not killing me financially because I have two non-artist jobs, but it's, uh, it's making me pretty tired. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Is it hard for you to turn off like the thinking about your work constantly? Yeah. Or when I get into the space, it's hard to turn off, not thinking about, you know, one of the millions of things I have to do outside of the art space in order oh. to stay afloat. Uh, yeah, it's actually really interesting how that translates to different art forms. Uh, my roommate, who's also my very close friend, uh, he is a musician. And, uh, you know, he's, so he's got like his entire studio space in his room. He's got like his two monitors and his keyboards and his, and his guitars and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, every now and then he'll be like, ah, you know, like I just, I got this, uh, I got this inspiration. I just sat down for hours and played it out. And I was like, he's like, don't you love it when that happens? And I was like, no, I don't love it when that happens. (laughs) Cause when I have studio time, I have to make it happen. (laughs) I don't just get, I don't get to just go with the inspiration. I have to. You know, I have to be ready to be like, okay, you got to make something right now. It doesn't matter yes. if it's good. You have to make it, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. That's what... That's an excellent point. I've been struggling with a lot lately is how to be, like, present in my life without thinking about the 40 other things I have to do today. Mm-hmm. Like, I was struggling with that with teaching today. I was like, why can't I just, like, be here with my clients? And I'm, like, having a great time and the class is going great. Why can't I just be here right now and not think about... Mm-hmm. The three things, that, like the my later in my day. I'm I'm curious, like what kind of coping method uh, methods do you have for that, or what kind of uh, methods of adapting do you have? Um, if I'm teaching bar three specifically, and I'm feeling like I'm not present, I go like stand right next to a client. I go while they're moving. I go try to do like a hands-on cue. I try to like force myself to make a connection with somebody that will hopefully drag my brain back into what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when I, which is like super helpful at bar three because usually there's like eye contact, you have a little mini conversation and they're like super thankful that you had that moment with them. Because I find in a lot of classes like fitness or dance classes, um, if they're bigger, it's hard to, have that one-on-one with the instructor totally like I've been to a lot of Pilates classes lately where I get like no hands-on cues Mm -hmm. or like no form correction which I like always want yeah also (laughs) in a Pilates class I feel like that's kind of necessary it's a pretty complex thing yeah Yeah, super complex Um, if I'm teaching kids it's a little harder (laughs) to be honest because they it's like you don't connect with them on the same level but I try to like switch it up with its kids, it's like, okay, let's do something else across the floor. Or what I've been doing a lot lately is have them explain an exercise to me. Mm-hmm. Like if they really understand it, they should be able to teach me it, teach me to me. Mm-hmm. Cool. That actually is a really good teaching method I find. Oh yeah. yeah. Cause like how you uh, understand something changes if you can talk about it. Mm-hmm. Right. If you right. can like think about it and say it at the same time and mm-hmm. articulate it. It's the same thing as having an idea. Like there have been so many times when I've had an idea in my head and I get into the studio and I'm like, do this. And they're just like, what? Yeah. And I'm like, you're right. This doesn't work. Like, <laughs> doesn't I should have said this to somebody before right now. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. What about you? Coping me- mechanisms for... I'm pretty good at compartmentalizing my brain. I think, it, I think that's pretty... I think that's quite clear to you guys. I'm not bad at compartmentalizing. So it doesn't really become an issue that much what's been a bit more challenging because there's you know a thousand things going on um has been and it's got a lot to do with like uh both all the works that i've been in lately i've been a lot very like um to do with you know acting and have some some uh dramaturgy no what's the word have a sorry it's a good enough word (laughs) have some acting components to it so it's been uh, if anything, challenging to like go into a space where I'm like, I mean, for example, using this piece where I'm this being that necessarily isn't very strong mm-hmm. to like going and then like being completely there for two hours and like being this like weak, weak being and then like stepping out and being like, I'm a powerful, confident lady. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so that's been the only part that's been challenging is just like stepping out of 
those brain sets lately. Stepping out of your character. Stepping mm-hmm. out of my character has been, yeah, has been um, a challenge, but I think that's just because of the work that I've been doing. Um, but I mean, just reading, trying to be as present as possible. Mm-hmm. It's very helpful having breathing. a Joe job and being in a mm-hmm. social Joe job where I don't go home it's and sit true. by myself in my room. You know, yes. I go to work and I talk to people yep. who are there to relax and have fun and you try and have a drink and you talk to them about non-arts things. Yes. Mm-hmm. I yes. love that. Yes. I love That's not like... talking about art for too long. I, I love talking about art, but I also like, I love being able to step away and like yes. have a conversation because sometimes we just take ourselves too seriously. Yeah, as it's that's true. totally true. And like, it's, uh, I'm, uh, just on that note, I'm extremely lucky now to be dating, uh, someone who is not an artist and it's just so nice to it's not lovely. talk about art. Yeah. <laughs> it's so lovely. And it's, you know, she asked me about it and she's like, uh, well, what's the problem? And I'm just like, well, you know, I'm just very honest about the fact that the thing that I do is really kind of silly. And <laughs> it's just a stupid yeah. dance, Will. It is just a stupid dance. But then <laughs> one of the one of the ladies who's working with uh, us. Victoria Fuller, yeah. the artistic director of Echo Productions. Yes, she's working yes. with us oh, and, I know. as our dramaturge. We had her yeah. in on Monday. She's like, just do it, guys. It's, don't worry about it. It's just a stupid dance. Yeah, it's all fun. We're having fun. And it's like, yeah, we are having fun. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, yeah. I've actually auditioned for them. Hmm. Hmm. I really like what they do. Yeah. Which one? Uh, what have you seen by them? Um, not, I think it was their last show in, not their last Charlie, show. Son of Man? No, the one before that. Okay, that's what I saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The one before that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any plugs, people, yes. anything you want to plug right so now? So it's not killing you. Yeah, oh, sorry. So being an artist is not killing you. Uh, not yet, but I'm pretty close to the edge right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, if, I, if I take on any more jobs, I'm going to die. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, plugs that I want to do. Well, um, the first plug I want to do is that uh, tickets available now for New Lease in Verba, a double bill dance performance by Rebel Yell Dance Theater at fringetoronto.com. <laughs> Running from July 4th to July 14th. Get your tickets. Uh, so excited. Plug. <laughs> yeah. That's one plug. Um, plugs. Ooh, I should have thought about this before I came in. Um, uh, there are lots of great dance shows going on at Fringe Festival and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of really great artists. Some of them are very well established, like Frog in Hand. Some of them a little bit less so, uh, like... Half... Second Echo? Half Second Echo. Yes. Yeah, yeah. there yeah. Also, Chris and Pepper. Yeah, Chris and Pepper. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you know all these people, both the uh, the well established and the not, are very much worth your time. They're all great creative people with wonderful ideas. Um, so yeah, all of them. Uh, uh, we've got a couple of sponsors for the show. So Insomnia Bar and Grill Woo-hoo! has sponsored us. Do you work there? Uh, no, Robin oh. works there. Um, <laughs> and also Tatika Yoga Wear has Woo-hoo! sponsored us. That's so, amazing. Yes, be sure to check them out too because they're great. Yeah. Um, yeah, and just like a shout out to all the dancers and people working for us. I think like uh, I think when you're creating anything, the piece, uh, the piece or the work, it just doesn't come together unless all of the moving parts that you have are there. Like for example, if we didn't have Rainier, if we didn't have Mateo, it would be a completely different thing right mm-hmm. now. Um, and I just think that's very, very true of uh, all work and of, and of this piece. So you know, to Mateo, Victoria, Robin, Rainey, and Cheryl, you're all great, and we're all very lucky to be working with you. Aw, that was so nice. Yeah. What a great way to finish. Thanks, Will. Thanks, Will. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Yay. Awesome. Check everything out. Yeah. Um, subscribe. Subscribe. Like. Rate us. Email us. You. Email us. Go to our Patreon. You only have a couple more episodes left before oh, we go yes. on vacation for a month and a half. Not that. Not six weeks. Sorry, a month. <laughs> Rainy's, he wants it to be a month. Rainy's month trying month. to negotiate a longer break. <laughs> negotiate with myself <laughs> and you. Uh, yeah, no, for a month. For we're going to take four weeks off. Um, we're going to come back better. Bigger ideas. More things. Better yeah. mics, mostly. Better, mostly better <laughs> mics. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, guys. <laughs>